We are two queer fan nerds of color who use humor and fun to take your favorite convention's diversity panel and turn it into a year-round conversation. I'm Noelle. And I'm Justine. And welcome! <laughs> For those of you listening at home, Noelle put asterisk, mau, 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 close asterisk on our script. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> we say it every episode anyway. That's why. So. I was like, I feel like it's official now. You know, like exactly. it kind of just has Great. to happen. Yeah. Right. Yes. So welcome to episode 11, everybody. Wow. Uh, wow. 11 I episodes. Know. How are you feeling today, Noelle? I am feeling a little energized because of this energy drink that I'm drinking wow. to become alive. Um because this week was like a doozy, but you know what it is. We are oh, out yeah. here just energizing via um, concentrates. <laughs> concentrates? I don't. Carbonated water, lemon juice, concentrate. <laughs> oh I'm just reading my label, but. Um, I love that. Here we are. Yeah, How totally are you, my love? I'm good too. Not gonna lie, before we signed on to record this episode, I took a nap. Hell yeah. Because I also needed to energize. <laughs> but I'm really happy that we're here. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but I'm really glad that we're here to record this episode. Do you want to tell everybody what it is today? Oh, well, you guys know what you don't know. Well, anyway... <laughs> The energy drink is too strong. (laughs) I can't help. The energy drink, my brain. The neurons are just. What do neurons do? Flashing? Fire? Firing? There you go. I was an art major. Okay, so. I didn't take AP Bio. (laughs) Please continue. (laughs) Okay, well, welcome to the baddest bitches of Korra. Wow. (laughs) Atla Universe Book 2 for Fandom Femmes. Oh, hell and yeah. we're out here. Um, we wanted to do this episode because we wanted to celebrate since March is uh, Women's History Month. So why not come out with another Baddest Bitches series? <laughs> Am I right? Exactly. Yeah. And also, um, this is especially timely because of the recent announcement of Avatar Studios, which is the new production company that's going to be expanding the Avatar universe and everything. So we thought that was super fitting. And honestly, Noelle, I don't know about you, but when they announced that Avatar Studios was happening, I I like didn't believe it. I thought it was just a, a meme and like a joke because I don't know, my heart has been played with before when it comes to release dates like this. So I, w- I was like, I'm still in a bit of like disbelief about it, but honestly, I'm just trying to stay optimistic and everything. Right? Yeah. And when I saw the the articles, and especially I saw it on TikTok because people were f- freaking out, and I was like, "Excuse me, what did he say? And then, like, <laughs> what? What did he say? What? Okay, have you heard on TikTok too? There's like this sound where like. I don't know who says it, but they say like very specifically like this. They say, "What did he say?" I know. Yes, that sound. I love that sound. It's very relatable. Anyway, um, yeah, honestly, Avatar Studios. I remember seeing like a spoiler saying something that like, "Oh, they're they're gonna do like in between. They're gonna finally highlight like um, basically Avatar: The Last Airbender's heroes." as adults because you know we skipped that entire timeline um to head to Korra so I was like whoa so it's like some Star Wars shit up in here we got like the old shit we got that new shit now we got the in-between shit I'm like I'm here for it I I want I want it I mean especially because you know these characters are so beloved to us like Mm -hmm. Aang Katara especially for Justine Katara and (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, to people, I mean, we, we got to see glimpses in Korra in the, the series, but to actually be able to see, you know, <laughs> Aang and Kataro fall in love and shit. And then like, yeah, you know, like just to see like how that all played out and, you know, 
Also, just seeing, like, thinking about how, you know, they're, oh, they're friends with the Fire Lord now. Like, they're homies. <laughs> like, yeah. they're, they're just like, oh, what do they do when they, like, hang out? You know, do they go to Iroh's boba shop and, like. <laughs> oh my God, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God. Like, what should we do now? And then Aang's like, oh, my God. We should build, like, a whole city. Let's call it Republic <laughs> City. And then Top is like, oh, my God. Can I be, like, the head of police? <laughs> Um, I don't know what just happened. I think I just made the series myself. So, oh my gosh, um, if we we should just hire do, me like, a dubbed over version of that. <laughs> it's like you know, drunk history. Yeah, but we should do like we should do one of those or like energy drink history. Where we just drink a bunch of energy drinks and then we try to summarize like just caffeinated yeah. to the gods. Like, yeah. Oh my god, that would be that would be wild. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. this is i'm not even finished with this one and look how small it is like wow we'll, we'll both chug two yerba mate and then we'll oh. summarize avatar <laughs> oh no summarize <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna say long story short short story long give a play by play like a play by play uh, what happened book. next sparky sparky boom okay amazing <laughs> wow yeah when when did you I- start watching Korra? Just see. Okay, so I started. I was watching Korra as it was airing. So Noelle, I believe like you started watching Korra. You you kind of watched it all when it was on Netflix, right? Yeah, I watched it all in one binge. Yeah. Uh, I watched it. I watched the first season when it aired on Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then after that, I didn't continue with season two and stuff. So I watched yeah. all of that in quarantine last year. I see. Yeah, for sure. I definitely need to watch it, watch the full thing in its entirety because it's definitely been a minute. Um, so as Cora was airing, I think I was either just about to end high school. It was it was like end of high school, early college. I think I'm I'm kind of blurry on the timeline, but I remember Cora ending sometime um, during my first years of college, um, like my first or second year of college. So um, it was really funny because. It would air, I think, every Sunday on Nickelodeon. And I had gotten so used to – I was so excited to watch the episode. I kid you not, my internal body clock would wake me up just in time to, like, grab Aww. some cereal and then sit down for Cora. So Aww. it was – yeah, it was so weird. It was so funny. Um, But, yeah, I, I definitely loved Cora. I was a bit obsessed. Cora was my first cosplay um, at my first anime expo. So I bought a Korra cosplay to like go to AX with. That was that was really fun. Um, and also towards the end, like as Korra was was ending, I actually was on my college's newspaper at the time, and I wrote an opinion piece about why bisexual representation matters and why and how Korra helps me come into my identity. And I literally created a twitter because i thought at the time like i'm gonna be a journalist so i created a twitter and then i sent it out to like (laughs) i'm such a nerd it gross but i like talking about it now i'm kind of cringing at it but i like tweeted it out to the voice cast of cora and like tagged (gasps) them and like seychelle gabriel who voices asami like retweeted it and said everyone go check out this article and, yeah and then she she replied to it she's like you're a great writer and i'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah yo asami just kissed your paper i know <laughs> definitely and it's so funny it's so funny now because i think my writing style has changed so much and i've learned a lot about you know writing and stuff since then that I read the article again not too long ago, and I'm just like, oh god, why did I, why did I publish this? Like, oh no, like <laughs> I sent this to a Tommy Sato, what? But, um, but honestly, like I think, I think it, it it perfectly captured how young I was, like at the time, and how how excited I was about it that I just wanted to share with the voice cast of of Legend of Korra. Yes. Um, and and also kind of adding to the Avatar Studios thing, I really like what you said about um, being interested in um, adults, Aang, Katara, Sokka, and the gang. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, like, another hope of mine is that they animate the comic books because yeah. I – yeah, because, like, I think that would make the story more accessible because – 
a lot of the times like these questions about like what happened to Zuko's mom or like all those Mm -hmm. things like that people are like oh it's in the comics it's in the comics and I'm just like but there are there are certain people who like gravitate towards that medium but there are others and I think it's a more accessible medium if it was on it was if it was visual you Mm -hmm. know what I mean so I would love to see them adapt the comics into an animated series as well through Avatar Studios yeah have you heard anything else like rumored about Avatar Studios? All I knew is that they were going to try to expand the universe. Like I didn't really um, read too much up on it. Yeah, neither have I, honestly. In, <laughs> in, in a time so full of, you know, media misinformation and fake news, I just, I'm just very wary. I'm just like, until I see content, until I see physical content that is official, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So Avatar mm-hmm. Studios means like, like, like. So, I mean, it's funny because I'm a film major, so I should know this in terms of like the the process of production to distribution, right? But like, so it's kind of like how Marvel made their own like Marvel Studios, right? And so they like, and then they expanded on the universe, etc. Had their own in house production. Um, so it's like, but where where would it live? You know, where would this content mm. live? Like, is it on Nickelodeon still? Like, where is it going to go? Oh. Like, where is it going to air? Because it's cool. Yes, they, they are. Avatar Studios means they have their own studio to produce this. So they don't need any outside, like, you know, like they're going to hire people under Avatar Studios name, you know. So it's like, so, but then it doesn't mean that like, like they're they have their own channel or something like to air it or premiere right. these, this content. So I'm just wondering like where is it gonna go? Like because you know like say, um, what's it called? Like at least Marvel Studios has Disney Plus now because they're apart, right? So um, like they can put WandaVision in and like oh yeah, like it's on Disney Plus. But, like, where's Avatar Studios going to go? Like, where? True. Like, is it going to be on TV? Is it going to be streaming? Netflix? Like, who's going to be on its own streaming service? Yeah, exactly. So, like, is it? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Because right now, I mean, Netflix is is streaming Atla and Korra, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, then you have to take the, not the rights back, but, like, I'm pretty sure it's under contract for a certain amount of time to be on Netflix. But, like. Like, are they going to change where that's going to be? Like, what's that going to look like? Like, I'm really yeah. interested. Like, I, I wonder if it's going to be like, because if it does end up on Nickelodeon and if it only stays there, I feel like it's kind of hard because like, especially what Nickelodeon's programming is like now, it's very different from like, <laughs> I feel like it would be so different from their programming and like, uh, compared to when Korra came out or even when Avatar came out, you know? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like... And then also a lot of the people that are interested in it are like us. Our age, <laughs> We yeah. are 20-something, you know? like, yeah. And it's like, our, I don't have cable. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm a cusp millennial Zoomer that yeah. like wouldn't rather just pay for Wi-Fi and not for cable too. <laughs> yeah. So it's like... I'm not going to try to get to cable just to watch Nickelodeon, you know? So it's like, what's how is this going to work? And I hope it, I hope it's something accessible, like you said. Yeah, that that is something I didn't think about. Like, where is it going to live? Honestly, like, for example, um, for a time, Young Justice, like the, like season three, and also like Harley Quinn, the animated series, only lived on DC Unlimited. So if you wanted to watch any DC programming, you had to buy this other streaming service. If you wanted to watch Titans, like you had to watch it on that other streaming service in addition to all the ones that you might already have. But recently, like all those DC like animated properties were absorbed by HBO Max. And so you can watch all that on HBO Max. So um, yeah, it's like I'm really curious about that as well. Yeah. But we're as we're kind of talking about the Avatar universe, um, we 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 knew that if we did the baddest bitches of Atla 
we had to do like the baddest bitches of legend of Korra. So Period. let's kind of talk about these two universes, how like the avatar universe that we grew up with and then Korra, which is like flash forward into the future. Um, and let's talk about how women are kind of like represented there. And yeah. what does the, what does it look like for women in the avatar universe and then in Republic city? Well, one, we were talking about how like, I felt like there was just so much, more women right generally in legend of korra and then we were like wait a minute the protagonist is a woman (laughs) right like like Mm -hmm. you i mean i feel like we just um i don't know for me for atla i kind of just forget not forget that ang is the protagonist but like i see like team avatar as like a protagonist Mm -hmm. because they do such a good job of like not completely like like shonen troping like Aang, you know like it's very like cooperative and like um like team-based which is really cool so like yeah. i saw them always as a unit so sometimes like when i think like oh yeah that's right like ang's the protagonist technically <laughs> um and then yeah in this case cora is the protagonist and i mean what was really cool is that we got to see a female avatar because i mean aside from kiyoshi we were always um in in Avatar the Last Airbender, we were always exposed to is it Roku? Yeah, Roku. Yeah. yeah. Roku and then um and then we have Aang. So it was cool to actually see like a protagonist <laughs> <laughs> a woman protagonist. Actually even see her like grow from a girl to a woman as well, mm-hmm. like very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um as an Avatar. So I mean Aside from um, Korra being the protagonist, even a lot of the antagonists are women as well in Korra. Did you want to talk about that a little, Justine? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, just kind of going off the top of my head, I mean, the first antagonist we meet is um, is Amon, and he's a dude. But later on, as we kind of see, I don't know, like, see Republic City, we run into um, like Kuvira and we also see um, Minghua and Pali uh, as a part of the the villain ensemble mm-hmm. I guess and yeah um, I think like we were also talking about how you know the the setting itself is a lot more centralized all of it happens in and around Republic City whereas with with Avatar like The Last Airbender it was more expansive and over the course of um over the course of the books we kind of saw them traverse the entire universe whereas mm-hmm. with Korra it's very much like focused on one central location which is Republic City right mm-hmm. yeah and that kind of explains why we see just an influx of characters in general a lot of them being mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. um which we love <laughs> Yeah, but um, another thing we we talked about was like the that you know Azula and Atla can easily you know be seen as like the antagonist. Um, however, like it it like the I feel like the actual antagonist of Atla was more so um, Fire Lord Ozai, right? And then she was kind of like his tool in a way, or like yeah. just always like. Um, connected to him in some way um, to get what he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Which is for, you know, world domination. So, <laughs> like, yes, she's an, an antagonist, but not exactly the main antagonist, whereas in Legend of Korra, we have Kuvira as, like, the main antagonist, and she is straight up world domination, like... <laughs> and, um, yeah, so... <clears throat> As we were saying, there was, like, just, I feel like um, because it was more centralized in Republic City for Legend of Korra, um, they didn't have to spend as much time world building like they did in Atla. So because there was less world building, there was more character building. And so they Mm -hmm. were able to introduce, they had more time to introduce um, more uh, femme characters and actually give them 
names and lines and mm-hmm. significant roles. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we love to see it. Uh, but yeah, who would be your first? Uh, we all know the answer. Um, your first bad bitch. Of Korra, drum roll, please. I mean, it's not called the Legend of Mako or the Legend of Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I think. (laughs) Oh wow, I'm so funny. Anyways, um, (laughs) no, you don't. I don't. Um, (laughs) But yeah, um, I think like it, it would totally makes sense for us to start with Korra. She is like the protagonist of the show. Um and also like I just remember when I was originally watching it, I was just so gravitated to her because um previously when I was a kid, I, I felt very in touch with my inner child during that show. Um even though I was kind of like a young adult, I was in that age when I was uh exiting high school and like entering college and kind of coming into my identity, coming into myself. So a lot of the animated content I consumed when I was younger, there was a very type of singular way that women looked um, and that women were drawn. So when I see Cora and she's melanated, she's brown. Yes, melanated. She, exactly. And she's jacked and she has like very broad shoulders and like very, you know, strong arms. I was very like – I was – um. How do I say this? I was, I, I, I really thought like that this is another acceptable way to be. Speaking on a personal note, something I had always been kind of insecure about um, is like how wide my shoulders are and mm. how my, and how my upper body was built. So I always kind of like, I, I, I saw a lot of what I wanted to be in Korra and I'm just like, wow, like Korra can, you know, fight through all of these things and she could um be the hero of the city and you know she's brown too and she looks like me so that mm-hmm. was that was really really cool um yeah i think like another thing that really kind of drew me to cora too and like i've seen a lot of hate on cora as well like on the internet like oh my god she's like not a good avatar or whatever and uh-huh. i'm just like you need to look at you need to look at the show for for what it was. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And how it was created in like the mid like or actually not mid. The uh yeah, the mid 2010s. And it's almost what? Like 10 or 11 years old. I don't even know like how how old it is. But yeah, almost. Yeah, almost like around that. So like through Cora, we saw a lot of how people deal with PTSD mm. and how people deal with like mental health problems because like that's that's something that was dealt with in the Avatar, like The Last Airbender. Um, but I feel like more so with familial trauma and grief and loss. Um mm-hmm. And I really liked the focus through Cora about like PTSD and like mental health. Did Cora like was Cora reckless sometimes? What like did she make mistakes? Yeah, but I think that that doesn't make her not a bad bitch, you know? Right. Um. And also, she's gay, so <laughs> that was that was the another baddest. thing for me. Yeah, like like <laughs> I like I was saying before with Cora specifically, I wrote that opinion piece about that because i just felt so moved by that and i remember okay story time it was i had waited until like three in the morning or something it was really really late when i was watching the finale of cora i was literally huddled up in my bed with my laptop and i was watching cora and asami talk and i'm like no they're not they're not gonna no, no, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get together. No, like that's, that's just a fan theory. I legit, like, only saw, like, I only saw it as like a fanship. I didn't think they would actually show anything on Nickelodeon. And like when they held hands and walked into the spirit world, like holding, holding each other's hands and gazing at each other like intently, I was just like, oh. 
And I remember like sobbing and like crying because I'm just like, wow, it wasn't just a fan theory. It was actually canon. But also, I, I was a bit disbelief. I was a bit in disbelief. And because, like, as I am wary about media and everything. And then later, the creators of Avatar were doing like a charity auction. Um, and they actually came out and said, yeah, they're, they're a couple. Yeah, like the, the end of the series was meant to mark them like starting a relationship. And then they um, auctioned off this piece of art that they created them to. And they're literally like spooning each other in a turtle duck in the oh. spirit world and oh. yeah they were like raising money for an lgbt charity too it was like such a big deal but yeah oh it was yeah it was just it was just a big deal for me cora period was a big deal for me and i i'd be really interested to that's why i especially want to rewatch it because i want to see how me like how how i react to it differently and what the messages i get from it now that i'm older you know mm-hmm yeah, yeah honestly, what about you, Noelle? <laughs> yeah. Well, for me with Korra, um, I watch it all in one go. So, I mean, I did watch the first season as a child. <laughs> but uh, child question mark? Anyway, I'm going to say child. Um, and I watched it all again. Um, what was it? Like summer last year, 2020. Summer 2020. I was in my room sweating watching Korra. <laughs> Because uh, I had no AC. Um, so, uh, honestly, I, w- I was pretty frustrated with her <laughs> in the beginning. Um, I think it's it was just, you know... I think I just also just recently finished Atla as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's mm-hmm. hop into it. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember I was really, like, frustrated with her. But then again... After the first season, I was like, "All right, I I want to like watch it, not compare, like not exactly comparing it to Atla, but like more so like like what is her situation, like what is the context of her universe at that moment in time, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. like like if I were in her shoes, how would I react, you know? I I mean, like I clearly." Um, I, I don't have like the exact same kind of like personality as Cora, um, but I do relate to her a lot. Um, uh, being very like, uh, one of the things I related to her the most was how she had high standards for herself. Mm. Um, no one really imposed it. I mean, if anything, some people were like, "You can chill," like, but then she was like, "Nah, fam, watch this fire bending push up." Ah, like you know like and that's actually that's something i was thinking about today because i remember my mom telling me because i one of my things growing up was that like i was really competitive and mm-hmm. i remember that being kind of toxic <laughs> like mm-hmm. i was kind of toxic in the sense that like i wanted to win so bad but then my mom mm-hmm. reframed it as an when i was an adult because i was like oh yeah i didn't really like that about myself and she told me mm-hmm. she was like no i thought it was cute because you know, you just wanted to be the best you could be at everything you did. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And I feel like with Cora, like not only did she have those expectations for herself, but then she had the title of Avatar, you know, and that's a lot to bear. And um, I don't know, as we've talked about in our last Baddest Bitches of Atla, uh, bad bitches are not only good-looking bitches (laughs) (laughs) they're also femmes you know that overcome period so Mm -hmm. uh i feel like what was also amazing was i don't want to spoil it for people but essentially like what um what justine said about ptsd it wasn't exactly that she completely like oh i wouldn't say she completely overcame but she worked through it you know Mm mm-hmm and it was a lot. And you can tell it was a lot because of how they wrote that season. Um, and it it wasn't like a, it wasn't your typical, it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't going to be like, like a, like a shonen type where, a trope where it's like, I'll just, it's okay what happened. I'm just going to work, work harder and get through it. Like it wasn't like, you know, like it was like, 
there's a lot to work out like mentally physically like spiritually like and um we we went through that with her together in the series and so i thought that was really like holy shit like emerging from that is like i you can tell that it wasn't exactly like i said like completely like oh i'm past it it's done it's over like Mm -hmm. like i'm completely past it it was like no like she has to go like really like go in there and put in the work you know the like um to be able to even just you know come forward and have the courage it's it's like beyond courage you know like it's like it's like being able to like like go on and live and do do quote unquote do her duty as like an as an avatar but like still be her own person you know and Mm -hmm. and still live with and through that trauma so like mm-hmm. I just feel like that's a lot and like I know that people give her shit because it should be easy but like I like that they painted it in a way where it's like it's it's really not like <laughs> yeah. it's it's really not we shouldn't be expecting like teenagers to be able to process all of this like in one night in like mm-hmm. a week like we really shouldn't be like that shouldn't be an expectation um that we hold you know and the fact that she still did even you know like like i said like not completely out of the dark but like she still did (laughs) so it's just like that's a bad bitch right there yeah i really like what you said about how um ptsd and like mental health issues are something that honestly cora is probably going to have to deal with that for the rest of her life um and you're and and you're right like ptsd isn't something that you can ever just get over but it's something that you learn how to deal with so yeah do you want to talk about our next um our next bad bitch of lok let's see who should <laughs> we're gonna talk about the zombie <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh my god! Oh my god! I just remember like high key, like (sighs) high key when I was. I mean, I was. I didn't even know I was queer yet, but I was like, "God damn, Asami, hot as fuck!" Like when I was a child. Like I don't know how we were in high school, right? It was high school time. High school ish. Yeah. High school ish. Yeah. I just remember being like, "God damn!" (laughs) Oh my god! I just remember. I I kind of, in terms of, like, my queer journey, like, I kind of already accepted that, or, like, I kind of thought that, I remember late middle school, I thought I was, like, bi-curious, but then I was, like, oh, no, I think I just appreciate women, and so I was, like, oh, my God, I appreciate how beautiful she is, (laughs) um, but I- I'm looking respectfully. I'm looking respectfully and drooling, um, at a safe distance, so, uh. Yeah, so Asami Sato, wow, what a woman. Um, not only is she like an heiress to this super crazy, basically like the whole industry leader, right? Of like their whole, what is it called? Industrialism? Oh. Because I mean, the huge thing is like in Republic City is that like, oh, they got cars and shit, right? So yeah, industrialization, um, I guess. It's industrial- called Future Industries. The- future, yeah, the, the name of like the company is Future Industries. Future but industries. I mean, it's literally like what, it's the future. But um, mm-hmm. what's cool is that aside from like, you know, you think like, oh, you're an heiress. It's just because you're like the only born and you're gonna like, yeah, yeah, you're like a rich girl. So you'd think that she'd be like a princess and stuff. But she over here in her riding boots and her motorcycle and her beautiful long wavy black hair and just <laughs> stepping on fools like um <laughs> like i and very capable and independent we love um mm-hmm. capable also in the sense that very adaptable in whatever situation she's she's in um both on the streets and in high class parties <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh also well educated because of her 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 so uh, socioeconomic background but uh yeah so asami if y'all don't i mean we already kind of said it <laughs> but also gay 
Yeah. Um, can we talk? Let's talk about Mako real quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, spoiler alerts. Please skip forward two minutes if you don't want to hear this. Um, so, yeah. Both our gals, <clears throat> Korra and Asami, have dated our resident um, man whore, Mako. Fire Nation bad boy. Fire Nation? Fire Nation? Fire. <laughs> what is the um what were we saying like the loner oh, the like, brooding loner brooding loner uh, he wasn't too brooding <laughs> but he's like you know like the like the hot boy that everyone no one wants understands to me no one gets it <laughs> <laughs> my scarf is from my parents anyway so <laughs> he's like the katara like my mom used to breathe <laughs> like <laughs> okay but basically the crazy thing about this is that you know okay so mako he can never make up his mind he's like with asami but then kisses gora and then and then like asami finds out but then like Korra leaves and then kisses asami and then he's just you know <laughs> around Republic City and like, like Kevin went of Public City. Yeah, essentially. And so like I think it's just amazing how I mean, also with Cora, how actually both of these um women deal with this <laughs> fickle boy. Uh <laughs> because Essentially, at first they're like, mm, I don't know what to do. Um, my feelings are confused. And then they're like, you know what? Bitch, no. I don't deserve to be treated this way. You can stay my friend, period. Stop looking at me with those eyes, them googly eyes. I know I'm fucking hot. Too bad you had your chance. So sad. Goodbye. Like, we're friends, though. I love this. We're friends, though. That's it, though. Because you fucked mm-hmm. up a lot. Multiple times. And yeah. you gaslit us pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can go fuck yourself. I'm going to go kiss her instead. So, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a like, like, especially like the way that they stepped into their queerness was like very friendship related in mm-hmm. a sense. It felt it was like super platonic and like I'm here for you emotionally, like writing letters to each other and stuff. And like, especially in that time of need, you know. And even, like, the, like, towards the end of, like, the last season-ish, um, it was, like, very nuanced. Like, it, was, it wasn't, it was like, blatant, like, in your face. It was, like, kind of side things. Like, oh, yeah, I talked to her, like, this entire time. And he's, like, oh, but you didn't write me? I'm, like, bitch, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bitch, why should I? Did you write me? It's, like, oh, you didn't visit me in prison? It's, like, oh, yeah, because, like, <laughs> it reminded me of my dad because I have trauma. Because I have trauma. Jeez. Okay, like, and also Asami, um, visiting her father in jail to get that closure for herself. Like, Mm -hmm. bad bitch, period. Like, like she's like, fine, I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, I don't know. It's just, what I thought what was really cool about her too is just the like, her duality is the sense that like, yeah she wears pants and riding boots and you can ride a motorcycle and is very athletic and can do all these things though she does still have like kind of more of the stereotypical feminine build um, and would consider it to be more feminine question quote unquote um, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. than Cora's build as society standards um, like she was still like she like i experienced like that kind of duality from her where like when she was in a dress pop it in her fucking pants pop it pop it like, popping the fuck off like kicking fools in high heels like <laughs> do it bitch you know like honestly do it big like oh my god asami <laughs> sorry i'm like <laughs> simping so yeah. hard also like let's talk about how um Asami took a lot took on a lot of career roles that we yes. wouldn't see with um with women. Like she was the she offered to be a sponsor for the fire ferrets. You know, right. she's an entrepreneur. Yes, um, entrepreneur. Yeah. And and like she is also she's out here like representing STEM and everything. She knows her ways around machines. She can mm-hmm. like fix things. And and I think that was really cool because like 
um, sometimes those uh, those qualities are kind of given to characters that are that sit in the background, mm-hmm. and they're saying like, "Oh yeah, this is like." Uh, a woman mechanic who works in our who works in our shop, and you know she's not like other girls like that kind of thing. <laughs> and that's it. And that's her personality. Her her personality is that she's, she's not, not like, like other, girls. other girls. I hate yeah. that. Yeah, but I think it's it's there's there's a lot to there's a lot to Asami. Um, yeah. There have been points where she's had to decide between like morals and family and. Right. She, she's been faced with like really really like hard decisions and um she's proven that her loyalty always lies with with what the right thing is to do for the community Mm -hmm. and like i think that's really cool too so yeah um who who else would you consider who who else would we add to the list of the baddest bitches okay so listen i know she represents the police of Republic City, and in general, <laughs> in general, we don't we don't fuck with police. Fuck but twelve. I'm exactly, but I'm saying this because we are in the alternate universe of Avatar, and we can assume that the police is not only effective but also like at, like exists and serves the best interests of the community as a whole. So, with that being said, <laughs> um, let's talk about Lin Beifong. Yes. Oh my god. So. I, uh, she's like okay. Honestly, we um when we look at her, she she has this very like coarse exterior, but I love how throughout, um, as we kind of like learn more about her, she's very she's very different from her mom, who is tough, um, and like even though she, we we, we see like unlike unlike Toph, who was. Um, who played a pivotal role in teaching, like, uh, in teaching Aang how to earthbend. Lin, to start off, was, like, super indifferent and everything and almost, like, saw Korra as a threat. But I think throughout the series, she showed that she was very, um, she was very, like, strong and also very community-oriented. Um, there was a lot of internal things that was going on. One, like, she was kind of expected to be cool with like working with her ex boyfriend. She was Tenzin, <laughs> and honestly, like that's awkward as hell. And, and yeah, like yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you what do you, what do you think about Lynn Noelle? And then we can kind of like go off and like banter with each other, right? It. I feel like Lynn. I mean. Well, what's really cool? I mean, I, I, like she literally demands. Like, not verbally, but, like, the respect of, like, her police force, which is mostly men. Um, I mm. honestly didn't really see many, like, women, like, um, in the police force. Especially the ones that used, like, the the cuffs. The, like, when they, like, throw the mm-hmm, earth, mm-hmm. earth gloves. <laughs> I never really, like, I mean, then again, their, like, faces were mostly kind of hidden. But, I mean, she... Um, her demeanor in general was most like normally like masculine in a sense. I mean, we've never seen Lynn in femme presenting clothing or anything, but mm-hmm. her demeanor is also very like stern and um, what's it called? But then again, very loyal, like extremely yeah. loyal and willing like to like sacrifice like whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Sorry, fun I just fact, thought about the Marvel actually. universe. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but yeah, actually, fun fact: it's 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 really interesting that you give that kind of um, that analogy because I actually like recently found out that Lynn's design, like character design, was inspired by Marlena Dietrich, who is a famous like a, a really really famous like film actor from like the early days of film like black and white movies and stuff and she was always kind of known for dressing very androgynously mm. and um embodying like masculine and feminine like silhouettes in what she wore and um had this very tough attitude about her like the creators wanted her wanted Lynn to have a quote tough and natural beauty so mm. um 
So, like, it totally makes sense why, you know, that's even with her hair, too. Like, Lynn's hair is very, like, old Hollywood almost. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. it's like that short kind of wavy bob. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I think it's cool. I mean, she also has, like, scars on her face that she kind of, like, wears proudly, like, and doesn't really, like, try to hide or anything. But literally, like, she, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, loyalty also to her men in the sense of, like, her force, like, when they were captured yeah. by Equalists, she straight up, like, saved them. And they were like, we knew you'd come. You know, like, that's pretty cool. Like, being able to know that, like, like someone that is a woman, like, has the faith of all these men. <laughs> um, especially yeah. in a workforce where, like, it's male-dominated. Um, because males are expected, quote-unquote, to, you know, like, um, be the protectors and the overseers or whatever um yeah and yet here they are being saved by a woman but not being like their pride isn't even hurt it's like they're just grateful you know and they knew all along that she would you know Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. a different type of like i don't know that's not even like it's not according to the trope which is nice because it normally like some people like even in like anime in like shonen anime like if someone gets saved by a girl like they'll make a joke and be like oh i could have gotten out by myself you know like there'll be some kind of underhanded like tsundere shit where it's like nah bitch i shut up just say thank you like (laughs) you know but like lynn does it and like people are like you know i believe that you would you know, you yeah. would come back and do that. Like, even when, like, she defended, like, the Air Temple um, and mm-hmm. a Pema, who is literally, you know, the person <laughs> who married Tenzin, her ex-boyfriend, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like defended his family, you know. Um, and I don't know. What's it called? I feel like... Um, I feel like people kind of not underestimate but don't appreciate the depth of her character as much as like others because I, f- I feel like it it comes out more when we meet the rest of the family of the Bayfongs mm. and we learn more about um her sister yeah and and like who and then how Lynn kind of became who she was um and i feel like it's like literally she she had she she also undergoes and and works through trauma um Mm -hmm. i remember it it was even like personified physically when she got help from like the acupuncturist right like Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. she was having like so much trouble she was feeling sick like it was manifesting physically um about like just how much she was like dealing with um how she felt about her family i'm i'm kind of forgetting exactly what happened but i'm just remembering Mm -hmm. that scene when she she kept trying to do things on her own Mm -hmm. um and she was like no like this like after the acupuncturist and stuff because it was like trying to help the flow of her chi because it was all Mm -hmm. fucked up from all her emotions and her undealt with <laughs> trauma, especially after reuniting with her family. And so, like, um, I thought it was an interesting choice by the writers to, like, manifest that physically and for us to see it in, like, not only, like, um, the way she's interacting with others, but in her bending because she takes so much pride in her bending as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, for her to be able to, like, continue with her life the way she was like not even exactly the way she was before but like she had to like kind of shed um not completely like shed the trauma but like she had to like accept um what she was feeling because she kept thinking that like no I have to do this myself and it was kind of like she she needed like forgiveness you know mm-hmm. and yeah. Once again, like, forgiveness is for oneself. It's never for, like, another person, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that, like, she had, you know, like, she needed to, like, apologize and, like, um, in order to to move on. And I, I felt like that was, like, whoa, this is an actual, like, <laughs> this, 
like process you know like because it's like normally in something that's like a child's cartoon is like oh you know you're you're, you feel guilty just apologize and you'll feel better like literally it was like like she was like sweating she was in pain she couldn't walk you know like Mm -hmm. and then in order to do it like in order to get back to like an actual like working physical state like she she had to get her like you know her mentality in order oh yeah i was gonna say i really liked how you mentioned that because um you know supernatural properties of the avatar universe aside like that's a very human thing to realize for people um like i you you were talking earlier about how you were like growing up you're always very competitive and you have a very competitive edge to you um but as you've gotten older you've kind of learned to to exercise that feeling like in moderation as well um if that was like core for you i think where i see myself in lynn is that um i always feel like i have to do things myself and that a victory or an accomplishment isn't mine if i didn't do it entirely on my own mm-hmm. so i struggle to ask for help i struggle to accept my own limitations sometimes and like in lynn's arc it showed that if you don't face it, it's going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> supernatural properties aside, I mean like chi or whatever aside, like if you don't learn to ask for help, if you don't learn how to confront painful memories and find constructive ways to heal from them, they're always going to come up to your detriment. Right. And yeah, so – and it's a skill. It's a skill that you have to you have to practice and it's something that you have to actively unlearn. So I also really appreciated that as well about Lynn. Especially since like she actually um well, her sister recommended professional help. And in mm-hmm. that universe it was through like acupuncture, right? Yeah. And she went and she had trouble and then she went back when she was ready, you know? And I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. too, because getting professional help, like is is not easy you know like yeah it like it's the first step or i don't know just one of the steps is is just admitting that you need to go you know so mm-hmm. um the fact that they had that kind of interaction was very like relatable to me in like in terms of our universe um and in regards to mental health is that like like sometimes like we need that extra push you know or like we need that like um professional help to help process what's going on in our minds most definitely you know yeah so um also one more person that we kind of wanted to mention before we wrapped up and before we brought this episode to a close is we we always have a lot to say when it comes to the bad the baddest bitches of the Avatar universe, but we also wanted to talk about Janora, who is Tenzin's eldest daughter, and you know we we often forget how young like the cast is. If Korra and the and Team Avatar were very were like teenagers or like people in their early twenties or anything like that, Janora was a kid, mm-hmm. like a straight up kid, and I kind of want to talk about. I want to talk about her in particular because I relate a lot to her. She, uh, Janora is the eldest of Tenzin's three kids. And while her younger siblings are very uh, free-spirited, they're very silly, Janora is always the serious one. And I... And I really, I really gravitated to her because, like, I'm an older sister. And I definitely have felt that pressure to kind of keep my younger siblings in check and like be responsible for them. Um, but you could tell from this, like from the jump that Janora is very invested in airbending as a craft and um, as, as a whole. So because of that, her passion really drives her desire to learn. And I really saw myself in that because I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I love, love, love learning. And I really... <clears throat> And I I really enjoyed kind of like watching her grow throughout. And it I and I really liked how in her story too it kind of paid off. Like in um I guess this is a, a minor spoiler alert, but 
she eventually becomes an airbending master and um that means she becomes like she she comes into a position of leadership like for the air nomads at such a young age and everything like that and And as a as a woman as a woman as well Yes. yes um so that was that was honestly really cool to see um because i don't know i feel like in a lot of the content that i've watched the studious character um the very serious character is the lesson for them is like oh my god like i should cut back and have fun and just say like fuck it and like not care (laughs) and you know that's an important lesson to like learn uh because everything exists in balance but it was really fulfilling to see hard work pay off and right. hard work help her achieve and actu- actualize her goals. Right. I, I feel like with Janora as well, she just it was cool seeing how much she put family, you know, ahead. But at the same time, like she she had like she put her foot down, um, especially when it came to like her father because she loved her father. But she's straight up like like, no, like I can do this because, you know, he's a father and it's his first daughter and is like no my little baby don't fly like mm-hmm. like <laughs> you need to stay under my wing and be safe but she was like no dad like i can do this period like i need to do this for cora you know like i need to do this for the world so i'm going yeah. to do it period and i was like okay girl she said because we love uh, a femme you know being confident in what she's capable of right yes so yes. bad bitch period also yeah. just the way that i mean that is a lot of pressure being you know the um the eldest child of tenzin who is like one of the last airbenders in the world at the moment you know and being basically like the um what's it called a part of like that like kind of the first in her generation in that legacy right? right so that's like one a lot of pressure but two it's like um what's great is she actually thrives not in that pressure per se but in that role and how she like embraces embraces it to the point where you can tell how passionate she is about airbending like you said as a craft right. as an art and also preserving the culture um yes and that was something that she was really like inclined like to do like she wanted like especially um spoiler alert for the next 30 seconds please skip (laughs) um when you know the the wave of like new airbenders and like even though people were older than her and like like she still took charge and was like like here we go like these are the basics like here like she literally took leadership you know and um, not only that, she was excited, you know, about revitalization. So mm-hmm. I think it's cool that um, someone so young and also someone who's a girl um, growing to be a woman is is literally just like reveling in what she wants to explore and what she wants to accomplish in like her life. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's literally like her journey is like her fulfilling like what she wants you know um including kissing a boy but you know whatever what what all right spoiler and on that (laughs) (laughs) and on that note thank you so much for that noelle um on that note let's go ahead and segue into at one of our closing segments which is get wrecked Never. Never. Well, Never ever. It's episode 11. Maybe episode by 11, episode like maybe 50, 46. 52. We'll get it. <laughs> but yeah. So, Noelle, what's your rec for, for this episode? All right. So, um, if y'all have ever watched Futurama, um, <laughs> there is this series on Netflix created by the creators of Futurama called Disenchantment. Um, yes. yes very tongue-in-cheek uh <laughs> the humor is definitely my humor if you want to know what my brain is like just watch that uh um yeah i've <laughs> i've been like watching a lot of english things lately because i i would watch while i do like chores around my house and stuff 
But essentially, uh, what happens is there's a an unconventional princess of a kingdom, and basically, um, it's really hard to explain, but um, an alcoholic princess that <laughs> that who's who's um, not sidekicks, but in her party is uh, a kind of stalker elf and a snarky demon. So <laughs> if that intrigues you, I don't know what would because um, we have some cool, like there's literally Eric Andre is the demon. A lot of the, like the voice actor f- for like um, Bender from Futurama is in it. Like the, the humor is just, so great there's also really like interesting ways that they like commentate on certain things in in life it's ca- also kind of fourth wally but um mm. i don't want to spoil it but let's just say the protagonist is not your conventional princess and she's maybe not hetero we don't know <gasps> right so um four seasons right now on netflix i think each is 10 episodes it's it's mm-hmm. it's not that it's not that hard of a watch, but it's it's very like um, there's a lot of interesting commentary and a very like lighthearted. I wouldn't say like lighthearted takes on trauma. Like not saying that mm-hmm. they're like like playing it down or anything, but like they blatantly just straight up say like you know like the joke is like it's not because of my mommy and daddy issues like you know like it's like straight <laughs> up like like straight to the point and i i just think it's it's a it's a nice light watch and you there're just things that are absolutely ridiculous that um you would never see like it's like you know like those sentences that you never thought you would ever utter like that's what the jokes are to me like you're like i never thought i would ever laugh at a sentence that was compiled that way like <laughs> You know, so yeah. yeah, it's called Disenchantment. It's on Netflix. Ching it out. That's cool. Yeah, I've actually seen a couple episodes. I um I really enjoy the like couple episodes I saw. Yeah. It's yeah, it is it is what you said, like very um <laughs> tongue in cheek, very like dark humor. Yeah. I love that shit. So thank you for recommending that, Noelle. Yes. Um yeah, as far as mine this week, I just finished this. It's also on Netflix, and I highly recommend that y'all watch it. It's a Korean drama called Uncanny <gasps> Counter. Ooh. Have you seen it? No, I haven't, but I need a new K-drama to watch, so. <laughs> oh my god, yes, yes. Okay, Uncanny Counter. It is such a – it's based on a webtoon, actually. <gasps> it's so good. It basically um surrounds – this uh the story about this kid named moon and he um like basically his parents when he was when he was younger um his parents were um killed in an accident and there has been foul plays like suspected Mm -hmm. and so and moon when he gets older he um kind of stumbles into this world where he um he gets powers that help him find and capture evil spirits that are like plaguing the community whoa and he yeah he like joins this team of other people called counters who have the same role of of him and like they're basically the bridge between the um their equivalent of like heaven or the spirit world and like reality it's great there's like so much action in it too um yeah there's just like a lot of action there's uh the overarching thing is about like so if it's about like political corruption too so if you're into if you're into shows about political corruption if you're into shows about you know coming of age if you're into shows about like demons and people who are capturing them totally check out uncanny counter there's only one season out right now but it was so popular that it was supposed to be a limited series but it did so well on netflix that they they're setting up for a season two so yeah it's that good damn it's that good so please check it out Yes, ma'am. Whatever you say, honey. <laughs> yes. If you end up watching it, please let me know. I will. Because I will let you know. Yes. I think you'd love it. Honestly, I think you would love I'm it. I'm here for it. I I need to because all of my um my animes right now, I'm like kind of caught up. 
So I'm like, <laughs> I'm a binger. So like, I, I'm not used to waiting weekly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, I'm like, please, I need to binge something. <laughs> and with that, thank you so much for listening to our episode today. Yeah. Please follow us on social media at Phantom Fems. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, follow us there. Uh, we always love connecting with and communicating with you. But until the next episode, remember to be you. Be free. And, and we stand. We stand. Korosami. I just love how we always just go so slow. Like, <laughs> This is a live. Part of, a part of me wants to be like okay we should practice before and after like before we record we should practice the things we have to say in unison that and get wrecked but a part of me really likes the chaos the chaos Um, right like but because like what if one day we just get it like and and it's just all by chance like exactly it's probability that would just be so fulfilling but anyway thank you guys love y'all thank you for listening Bye. bye everyone